You know, it is one thing, if you've ever been through it, you never forget, and it changes you. I remember when I was 18 years old, and I left home, and I went up to Houston to the MEP Center, and uh, I said goodbye to Texas City. You know, I figured as far as any time I'd come back, I'd be a ghost. But I, I had made the decision to join the Navy. My dad was in the Navy. My grandfather was in World War II. You know, he was a radio man on one of the islands uh, over in the Pacific. But uh, my, uh, my dad was a radio man, and he was stationed in Alaska during Vietnam. I imagine there's a lot of people who would have traded with him to be in Kodiak, Alaska. But his best friend, Joe Wildman, he was, he was off, stationed off the coast of Vietnam. You know, they were both reservists. I remember my, uh, my grandfather, he, he said, I, I told, you know, they were, they were friends since childhood. My grandfather said, I, I told Bill and Joe, I said, you better join up before they join you up so you can get what you want. And they joined the reserves. Dad was a radio man. He did Morse code. He, he said he could, he could receive the Morse code and carry on a conversation. When he got out of the Navy, he got in back into ham radio, he had to relearn Morse code all over again, you know, because <laughs> he didn't know how to do it without typing. That's neither here nor there, but when you go into the service, it changes you. I mean, you, go, you leave different than you came, and you, you learn some things when you go in there. And they put you through an extreme set of circumstances, and uh, I feel like I got to edit myself because there was a lot of things said back then you don't want to say again. But there were, there were, first thing they did, I remember when I got there, one of the first things that they did was had us stand there for two hours as if the line was taking that long. <laughs> we got there about one o'clock in the morning. We stood there, uh, maybe we got there about 10, I don't know. I just know it was dark, and uh, that first morning I woke up, I could have sworn I'd been there for three days already. Because <laughs> we had stood so long there, two hours standing, and if you tried to sit or lean, you know, they'd get on you. And uh, you finally got your, your blankets and your pillows, and you were grateful, and uh you know, they just trimmed back on everything. One of the main things they trimmed back on is time. And uh, they cut you back on your time. They cut you back on your time sleeping. They cut you back on your time eating. You know, I, it took me a long time and some acid reflux to learn to chew my food. <laughs> they, they cut back on your time traveling. You know, you just about went double time everywhere. And... Uh, they made things inconvenient for you, but there was a reason behind it. There was a reason. It was, it was to teach you to be a good soldier, to be a good sailor. You know, it, it, was, it was so that you could serve in the military the way they needed you to. There wasn't time, there wasn't room for indecision when you were in the middle of a battle. There wasn't room for long, lengthy dinners, you know, if the enemy was nearby. Some know a little more about that than I do. Most of my service was in the Caribbean and the Caribbean, the Caribbean, a little bit of the Pacific. Uh, just an aside, because I tend to roam, I remember 
swimming off the side of the ship over in the Caribbean one day, and then two days later, icicles hanging off the rigging as we pulled into Rhode Island. So, but they, they, they set you up, they train you. And we look here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, you know, the Bible uses a lot of similes, but here, here Paul, he talks about, he says in verse number 3, he says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And then he goes on in that chapter. Let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Amen. You know, it, it matters how you picture yourself. If you picture yourself failing, and, you know, I know this is positivity talk 101, you know, straight out of the 80s or whatnot, but there's some truth to it. If you see yourself as a failure, you're liable to fail. If you, see yourself, if you think too much of yourself, people are going to see you pretending to be something you're not. And here, if it, it occurred to me when I read this, if you see yourself as a soldier for Christ, you can put aside a lot of things. Because when you was in the service, you had to put aside a lot of things. You had to let go of yourself. You had to think of what they wanted. You know, you had to do what they said. And uh, we too often tend to think of ourselves as just free spirits and just able to just carry on and do what we want. But God saved us for a reason. He saved us for a purpose. So let's take a look here at chapter number two. Paul says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You have discipleship there. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble, and as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words of no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying, erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some." Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So let's look at being a soldier in the Lord's army. Number one, a good soldier must be a follower. He can't be leading everyone around unless that's his job. You have to be able to do what you're told. <laughs> that's what they're getting you to do in boot camp. They're getting you to do what you're told. And, if, and they know that there's consequences when you don't. But over in Colossians, we're, we're, a, we're a son of God. Paul talked to Timothy as his own son in the faith if you remember that. Whenever you lead someone to Christ, it's like having your own child. But number one, we need to realize that we're a son of God. We're a son of Jesus Christ. And uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ, Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We answer to Jesus Christ. We look to his word. We look to his words for guidance in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? We're bought with a price. He says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, there's one phrase I remember in the Navy that keeps coming back to me. You know, somebody would talk about not being able to see their wife or not being able to see their girlfriend. It's like, well, the Navy didn't issue your wife in your sea bag. <laughs> there were things that you had to leave behind that you just you had to move on to your new life. And not only that, but you had to winnow out what you needed to survive, you know, or what you needed with you. Some guys had two racks, but we had to fit what we had, you know. In our own life, in our own Christian life, there's things we need to let go of if we're going to serve the Lord. You can't, can't always take a, a, a full house with you. Amen? A follower knows his position as a follower of Jesus Christ, and he knows his purpose. You've got to know what your purpose is in the military. And when, we went in, when I went into the Navy, you had an, uh, an M.O. You go into the military, you get an M.O., I was a sonar tech. I thought that was pretty good. I got to hunt subs. But it was at the end of the Cold War. We didn't do a lot of hunting. <laughs> we did a lot of stand and watch. But there's different positions, and everybody's got one. Knowing your position. In Christ, we're, we're, we belong to Jesus Christ. We're bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God in our body. Our purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. Whenever we lead someone to Christ, it's not for a notch on our belt. It's to glorify God. We do all things as to his glory. 
Our other purpose is to teach. Look at uh, verse number two. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Our Christian life, you know, we, we walk through this life, we walk through this world as Christians, and, and everybody thinks that it's somebody else's job to teach. It's all of our jobs, whether it's in your own family, whether it's among your own friends, or a new Christian. There's nothing like somebody taking a new Christian under their arms, under their wing, and showing them, you know, discipling them in Jesus Christ, leading them not only to the Lord, but showing them how to walk. There's, there's things that we miss out on in our life. You know, there's blessings that we miss out on if we don't tithe. People don't realize it. Oh, the church is just about money. No, it's not. There's blessings that you miss out on when you don't pray for people. There's blessings that you miss out on when you allow sin to come into your life. So somebody that's been there, somebody that's been further down the road. I remember when I went into the Navy, they had the DIs, the drill instructors. And they were, they were some salty fellas, you know, because we were in the Navy. But they were some salty fellas, and there was some salty language. But, they, you know, I remember, I remember them getting in your face and yelling at you and, and just letting out a whole stream of whatever came to their mind, you know. But they were there to teach us. They had been in the Navy themselves. They had been out in the field. They had seen what the Navy needed out of the recruits. So when they picked a drill instructor, they picked somebody who knew who could teach others. And here as Christians, we we need to keep our own lives in check so that we're able to teach others. He says, he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And it's not just random teaching, but it's teaching someone else to teach someone else. If you think about how when Jesus was here with 12 disciples, and all down through the ages, more and more people were teaching other people. That's how you spread the word. You could have a big old football stadium filled with people. All of them could get saved, but then they could all go back in the world and go back to doing what they were doing with no idea how to serve God. Biggest regret in my life, you know, was getting saved at 11 and not knowing how to be a Christian. And that's why discipleship was always important to me. I talked about that when I first got here. It was important to me. We'd been to one church in Decatur, Alabama, and the discipleship was part of that church. It was ingrained in that church. And they would they taught the teachers, and they would disciple a student. They would go aside, you know, they would meet with them once a week or whatnot, but they had the books for a guide, but discipleship wasn't the books. Discipleship wasn't just taking somebody through the Bible because you can take somebody through the Bible. You can teach them things. You can teach them all about the law and grace. You can teach them all about salvation. You can teach them doctrine. You can teach them all kinds of things. But if it's not tempered with love, if it's not tempered with a walk with Jesus Christ, all you're doing is loading a weapon and sticking it out on the street. Somebody that walks with Christ that can introduce others to Christ. He says, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And the expectation is when you're teaching someone that they will be teachers also. So not only do you need to be a follower, 
You need to be able to follow what Jesus Christ wants for your life. And that's not always easy. There's people that are rebellious, just flat out rebellious to what God wants in their life. A soldier's faith, a soldier needs to be faithful. He needs to be able to get up. I remember being in the military. I remember being in the Navy. I remember one fella. He would go out and he was he was unreliable. I don't have war stories. I just got import stories. The fellow would go out, and he would get so drunk, his whole body would get numb. Now, this is a thing to talk about from the pulpit, but we're talking about being faithful and being able to be used. You know, and when the morning time came, when it was time to muster, when it was time to be ready, when it was time to do what was needed of us, he was in his rack. There was one morning he was so bad off, they called the MPs and, or the, the paramedics. They thought he died in his rack. The paramedics are there in that little space, and he says, man, where's the helicopter? He woke up, you know. But it's being ready in the Lord. I mean, yeah, all that junk. But being ready in the Lord, being available, being faithful. One of the things we need to be faithful in is in enduring hardship. There's so many people that when they get saved and life starts to get a little hard, things don't work out. It's that statement that you hear all the time. How could a loving God allow this to happen? Or they get mad at God when something bad happens in their life, when someone gets sick in their life, when, when something goes wrong in their life. It's like the old story about the airplane and the parachute and the uncomfortable ride and all of that. And they cast it off. We need to be able to endure. You know, when we went to boot camp and they, they were teaching us all that, they were teaching us to endure the hardship, endure discomfort, endure the time in the field. Second Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier doesn't worry about the rain. He doesn't worry about the mud. It's uncomfortable, but we have a purpose in our life. We need to be followers of Christ through those hardships. So in boot camp, time is reduced on everything, time to sleep, time to eat, time to use the restroom, time to get dressed, time to clean, and, and time to travel. All this is to prepare them for the battlefield. War doesn't wait for you to put your pants on, and comfort isn't part of the package. There's a reason we endure hardship. Number one, we endure hardship for the one that leads us. You know, uh, when I was in the Navy, did I mention I was in the Navy? When I was, <laughs> I remember one of the lessons I learned in the Navy about leadership was there was a, our chief petty officer for our division. I liked to follow him. I trusted him when he told us to do things because I knew that if there was something that went against what we needed to be doing, that he was standing up for us. We, we trusted him so that when he told us, when he came and told us to do something, we knew it needed to be done, that it wasn't some ridiculous thing. And I didn't realize how important that was till we got a chief that replaced him, and he was like a colander. Anything that was said up here just came straight through him. He, he may as well have not even been there. Our division officer went, went straight through to us. And uh, you didn't want to serve him so much. But you know, in our walk with the Lord, the one that we follow, he's faithful. 
There's a reason to serve him. We love him because he first loved us. God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see him enduring the cross. We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating great drops of blood as he faced the crown of thorns. We talked about that last week, but we see him as he looks. It says he endured the cross, suffering the shame. For the joy that was set before him, the joy of bringing the lost sheep home, the joy of giving us a way to be saved, a way to be with our Father in heaven. And he took the penalty for our sins. There is no flaw in him. There is no doubting when he tells us to do something. Because we know that he has our best interest at heart because he died for us. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul said, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The things that we do for the Lord, we know that we can commit them to him. There's things that you can do for people, they'll just fall flat. But when we do things for Jesus Christ, we know that there are rewards in eternity. We know that there's treasures. We know that there's crowns of life. We know that there's crowns to be won. Jesus Christ is able and he is faithful. So when we endure hardship, we not only do it for our faithful leader, Jesus Christ, but we also do it for the ones beside us. You know, no man is an island. When you fall out, you're going to take somebody with you. 2 Timothy 2.10, Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So those ones that are beside us and behind us. One of my favorite movies, whether it's good or bad, is Black Hawk Down. I don't, I don't know why out of all war movies or whatnot, but Black Hawk Down just touched my heart. When I watched that, and I watched what those men dealt with on that night, when they were sent into that area, when, when they were overcome. And, but it's the bravery of them going in to save each other and going that step above and beyond. They've done that in plenty of other actions, but I remember in that movie, and I remember one scene, there's Hoot, one of the special forces, one of the rangers that had gone in there, and they finally made it out, and he's sitting there with the regular with the regular army guy, the special forces. But he's sitting there and he, he says, uh, you know, why do you do this? He said, you know, people back home, they say, who, why do you do this? Why do you go in there and fight like that? And he said, you know, when, I, when, I, when the bullets start flying, when all that starts happening, he said, all that politics and all that stuff goes, just goes out the window. None of it matters. Doesn't matter what the president wants, doesn't matter what any of them want. You know, it matters what our Lord and Savior wants. But he says, it's for the man next to me. And I think that's why any soldier fights, it's for the man next to him. We face hardships in our life, but there's people that are watching you. There's they're watching you through those trials, and there's people that are relying on you and your walk. You do it for the person right next to you. When you fall out of church, when you fall out of your, out of the word, when you fall out of prayer, when you fall away from Christ, or when you fall into sin, you're hurting the person next to you because they're looking to you. 
I know a preacher that I look, looked up to, kind of. I remember I got to preach in his pulpit. He had done some things, and, and, and later that uh, I just can't talk about. But you see him fall, and that just hurts because you looked up to him. He said, man, he was a preacher. He had his church. He was leading the church. But here he did this, and he fell out, and it hurts. The other people that you're enduring for are the ones behind. When the soldier's on the battlefield, he's not just out there for himself, but he's out there for everyone that's in the back. When I was in the Navy, just out of boot camp, we'd gone to Disney World or Disneyland because it was California. This was before all this stuff here today. This was years ago. But we go to, me and my friend, you know, we set it up. We, we made a trip. We got the bus tickets and everything. We went to Disneyland. And they told us, and, you know, I listened to them, but they said that you had to wear your uniform for so many weeks after graduating, I, I think. Maybe I just wanted to. <laughs> but we go to Disneyland, and we're wearing our dress whites, you know. We're out there standing in line at Magic Mountain. And I'll never forget this. And I kind of hope she never forgets. But there was a little girl standing there with her mom. And I heard the mom say, well, ask him." And so she did. She turned to me and she said, she said, will you fight for me? And it just came right out of my mouth. I said, honey, I'd die for you. And there's men that have died on the battlefield. There's men that have died in wars that, that have had to, it wasn't a choice. They were there. They were put there. And they were fighting for the man next to them. But in their mind, too, they were fighting for back home. And we need to be fighting. We need to be enduring for those that aren't even saved yet, for those who don't even know Christ yet. Man, this will, this will kick you when you think about the opportunities that you miss out on to preach or to teach or to, or to witness to somebody. We need to be there for the ones back of the line that we don't know yet. Those who are Satan's drawn away into a life of sin. Those who Satan is drawn away into temptation or, or you know, the ones that are struggling with marriage, the ones that are struggling with divorce, the ones that are struggling with life and death issues. You know, being ready, every man ready. So it's knowing your purpose and knowing and having the patience, being faithful to endure the patience and enduring those hardships. But it's also having your priorities in the right place. Look at uh, verse number four. He says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. So a soldier has to be able to put everything aside, put aside everything else when it comes time. He has to be all in. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
You've got to be willing to go all in. He says, no man that warreth entangleth himself. Hebrews 12.1 says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about, was compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The battle is before us. 1 Corinthians 9.24-27 to says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. It means they moderate all things, you know. Uh, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, certainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So the end does not justify the means. Or as uh, Dr. Rutman says, it's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. <clears throat> I think that comes from Bob Jones originally. But it's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. There's times when you're tempted to take a shortcut in life. He says, but if a man also strive for mastery, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. It's, it's following the bounds that you're given, and sometimes that's not easy, and sometimes that doesn't give you the victory, but right is right. Well, so we've, we've been so taught nowadays in the schools they teach it, and, 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 and all around in the culture is taught, you know, well, your truth, my truth, this and that. You know, so many situations are brought up with situational ethics and things like that. But as Christians, as soldiers for Christ, we're to walk that fine line. We're to, we're to stay within the bounds. And we've seen where people that step outside of it and begin to do wrong to do right, they get caught. They end up becoming a testimony against God. If you look at uh, uh, verse number 20, he says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. You know, you can become a vessel of dishonor. You can become a witness for God either way. You can hurt the cause of Christ. So 2 Timothy 2.5, If a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. And then it is a faithful saying, for if we be, this is verse number 11, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but the subverting of the heroes. So not only are we to be followers of Christ, we're to be faithful in our priorities. We're to be faithful in enduring. We're also to be faithful in practice. St. Timothy 2.15 says we're to be faithful in practice as students, number one. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's in study in the word of God. You know, one of the things I remember in boot camp when I was in the Navy I remember we carried around notebooks. I don't know how they did it in the Marines. The Marines can make fun of sailors all they want. They can get away with it. 
But I remember in the Navy, we had on those boondockers, we had on those, those uh, pants that had the back pocket on both sides, you know, and we, and Charles knows, now they wear those different ones. But we had a, we each got a spiral notebook, and we would go to class each day, and during class time, they would teach us all about the knots and all about the language, and they would teach us port and starboard and all these things, and we had to remember our general orders and all that. And you had your spiral notebook that you wrote these things in. And then while you were standing there in the chow line waiting for four hours to eat, seemed like two days, you had that notebook stuck in the back, and you carried it with you everywhere you went. It just stayed right there in the back. You know, because you needed your hands free for marching and all that. But you're standing there in the child line, and in the DI, he would tell you. He said, pull out your notebooks and study. You'd pull out that notebook, and you'd start working on memorizing the general orders. You'd, you'd look at that knot, port, and start, whatever they were trying to teach us back then, fire control and things like that. And you kept that with you. Now imagine how much more when we have the words of life when we have words of eternal life, the Bible says to study to show thyself approved. When you begin to look at yourself in that light, you know, you look at yourself as a soldier instead of some free spirit that got saved by grace and I'm free, I'm free, glorious, I'm free. But when you begin to see yourself as a soldier for Jesus Christ, it changes the way you approach your walk with Christ and it changes the way you approach things because those times that you don't feel like it, it really yanks you back around to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what I feel like. This needs to be done. And you begin to open the word, even whether you, whether you feel like it or not, you begin to study God's word. So we need to be faithful in practice as students and we need to be faithful in practice as a witness. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, that was the funny thing. At any time, one of the DIs might walk up to you and ask you to recite your, was it 11? It was 11 general orders, wasn't it? I'm saying 12. It doesn't matter. I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I will walk my post in a military manner, always being on the alert. But they, they could come up to you at any time and ask you. You know, in our own lives, in our Christian lives, people could come up to you at any time and ask you about the Lord. You ever been in that position to where your mind is on the week and somebody comes and somebody starts talking about the Lord? And it's like, I know this is an opportunity and your mind's searching and scratching. But when God's word is a part of you, I tell you one thing I'm learning uh, I've been reading Jim Elliott's journal, reading through it, and just seeing how faithful that man was to God. And some of the things, me and Megan, we're talking about, it's like you know what happens to him on that beach down in Guyana. You know how he struck it. Megan said there's a part, because she's reading it too, she said there was a part where he, he uh, in one of the, his devotional studies, where he realized his blood is not his own, and he said, Lord, let my blood be spilled out for you. That'll hit you home. That'll hit you home. Most important thing that a soldier needs to be is a fighter. 
And in our Christian life, we don't fight against other people. We're, we're not to... We get so afraid nowadays, the churches and Christians are so afraid nowadays of confronting anybody with the gospel or confronting anybody with sin. And it needs to be in a loving manner. But we also need to realize who our enemy is. It's not the people around us. It's like when you look at someone that, has, that does not believe in God, that has no belief in God, that's actually hostile toward Christians, what you're seeing is the influence of Satan. What you're seeing is a heart that doesn't know God. I think that in a lot of cases, what you're seeing is someone that wanted to know God but just couldn't get the answers they were looking for. I think sometimes that's a lot of the case. And their frustration, they take out, and they, after a while, God gives them over to a reprobate mind, and they think that they figured everything out, that, you don't, that you're just stupid. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the root and the heart of it is, number one, the wickedness in the heart, but number two is Satan. So you've got to be able to fight. You've got to be able to fight against your own heart. You've got to be able to fight against Satan. And Ephesians chapter 6 covers this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You think, who are we fighting against? You know, a lot of people fighting against other Christians. You're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And our, our weapons, they're not carnal. They're not made up of things. We can't swing a sword. We can't shoot a gun and take care of the problem. We have to fight spiritually, and spiritually we fight through the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His might, not your own. You know, that makes it harder. It's pretty easy to train yourself up or you can push yourself and push yourself. But it's it's harder to rely on the Lord for things. But it's part of your faith is trusting God to take care of the problems. Did I lose y'all on that one? I felt like I twisted that a little bit. But he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. Those spiritual weapons, the word of God, the shield of faith. It's, it's trust in the Lord even when you, you got your doubts. It's throwing up the shield of faith and saying, Lord, I, I don't understand this right now, but I know you're in charge. The devil will throw the darts at you. He'll tell you God doesn't care about you. He'll tell you you're in this trouble because of God. It's throwing up the shield of faith and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm trusting you for it. It's knowing the word of God and it's prayer and supplication. Not only is it being a fighter, not only is it being a follower, it's being a follower, being faithful, and being a fighter. Well, it's also being a finisher. 
you know, we get in this battle and there's people that burn out after a couple of years. People that were strong in the Lord and then they fall out. I remember a man that I worked for and uh, I wouldn't say that he quit believing in God, but, you know, he showed me a picture from back when. Oh, this is our independent Baptist picture, you know. His wife is in a dress. He's in a suit and tie or whatever, but you wouldn't know that looking at him right then. It didn't mean they got lost or anything, but people fall out. They get burnt out, right? The most important thing is to be a finisher. We want to finish our walk with the Lord. We don't want to fall out. And Paul, when he was talking to Timothy, he was reaching the end, and he was passing on to Timothy these words. And Paul said of his own walk in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. He's telling them that even when people turn away, he said, watch in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. And then Paul offers up his own testimony. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. <clears throat> Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. So there is an expectation of readiness, and there is an expectation of reward as a soldier in the Lord's army. We need to be strong. Be a strong determination greater than that of the enemy to possess and occupy the lands of our family, life, and our church life. We need to be stronger than Satan. Paul, he experienced victories and he experienced defeats. Yet, in all of that, he remained dedicated to the Lord. And the greatest cause in our life as a soldier in the Lord's army is being able to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll stand with me.